This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 452. Sarah Miller, the disc golf guy. Other side of the country from you, Johnny V. Right where I like to be. <laughs> You're too far here. away, Terry. You're too far away. My heart hurts. <laughs> no, not really. It's, it's, it's all right. Trust me. Uh, yes, welcome in everyone uh, tonight. Of course, we're going to pretty much get right to things uh, because we got big stuff going on. Our PDGA major just concluded a little over 48 hours ago. And of course, it went down in such incredible fashion. First and foremost, congratulations on the FPO side to, of course, our champion in Kristen Tatar. We obviously reached out to Kristen and we know she's someone that wins quite often. And we know that uh, she's pulled on in lots of different directions quite often. And she graciously replied to me, as I'm sure she did to many others, saying, I would like to basically soak this in. I'd like to reflect. And it, it feels a little bit too much sometimes to go on podcast after podcast after podcast and uh, essentially talk about myself. And <laughs> we know how humble she is and how gracious she is in wins or losses. And so I absolutely understand i told her that i understood and wanted her to do just that make sure she soaks in that victory before she tries to defend her title this upcoming weekend in jonesboro so congratulations to kristen tatar and uh without further ado uh, i know we had him on a few months ago and now here he is taking down his first major of his career and i think right away we're going to welcome to the show this weekend's winner on the mpo MPO side isaac robinson how you doing man so guys, doing well, doing very well. I, it, I, think I, mean, I, this, I, I was going to say, it's the question we always ask. Has it sunk in? Has it, you, you, you just, you, you didn't just win. You won in a dominant fashion. You didn't really have much to worry about when it came to the end of the round. Obviously we will get into a little bit uh, early round, but how do you feel right now? Do you, 
does does it feel a lot different than your Idlewild win? Yeah, it, it definitely feels a lot different. I think just having, you know, the the title of major, uh, it doesn't sound real. And every time I think about it, there's like this new like excitement um, of what that what that title brings and what that means for not only the future of my career in the sport, but also, you know, the I guess the the impact that I I, I made over the weekend. Um, so it's it's super exciting and. Yeah, I'm just trying to get used to the feeling still. I I think about and and we have stats, we have graphics, we have you know talking heads like us and others that talk about things about Calvin Heimberg, you know, one of the best players to not yet win a major. Um, Maddie O, you know, who was who finished in the top you know four at the World Championships back in 2005, practically. Yes, and not long before you were alive. Uh, Matty O, also still relatively young. But, uh, you know, the Orums and, and the Uliberries, who, who hasn't won a major in his career and in the hundreds, you know, plus victories that he has. Kale LaVisca, you know, those are some of the names of these really established superstars, these icons of the game, both older and a little bit younger. And here you are already adding that major to your title. Do you think about, I'll say the comparison to some of those, any of those other players. You know, I hadn't thought about that until you put it into those words. Um, there, there's a lot of names that are just absolute legends. Um, and I guess I'm just realizing they, they don't have a major title. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, I hadn't thought of that. So thank you, Terry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, and, and another big storyline from this weekend and every major at this point is someone like Macbeth who obviously is going for trying to get his 18th and uh, you know at one point we were adding up all the other majors in the field and they didn't even equal the amount in which he has accumulated and then we're adding a brand new guy in yourself to it when you think about a, a career what's next for you what are you concerned about next if if anything yeah i think as far as my career goes i just want to be consistent um this year you know we've (laughs) i've been all over the place um you know starting out missing the cut at vegas uh definitely a low point not ideal um and then (laughs) you know these past three tournaments have been you know working my way back up into the top 10 and then this past weekend with the with the win um I want to get to a point where I'm consistently in the top 15 every 15, 20 every week. Um, and I just want to build that consistency and getting and get used to being able to play at a high level um, kind of all the time. So that's kind of my goal moving forward in the year. Um, obviously, I would love to get some more wins. I want to be chasing that world title. I think those courses play well for my game. Um, the USDGC is one I'm always looking for. So, yeah, you know, I have specific ones that I want to win, um, but I just want to play more consistent throughout the year. Was it was it more? I I, I always want to say more special, but you did it in Georgia. Where you're from, your home, your home state boy, that that had to be amazing. You had your family there. Your brother was playing Uh, it. It was clearly I, I don't know if you watched. I don't know if you watched the live at all 
uh, afterwards, the very end of it and how we handled it. But you even got uh, stubborn old Tear Bear there to almost shed a tear with having your whole family there to, to, to recognize your accomplishment. What what does how did that? Well, first of all, how did it come about that your dad was your caddy? I mean, did, did you just take the weekend off for you? And then second of all, what was it like to, to be able to celebrate it with him? Yeah, I think just the fact, you know, you mentioned it was in Georgia. I have my family there who's from Georgia. Um, people I've grown up playing with, you know, some of the older guys that have taught me how to play disc golf. Um, you know, them being there, college friends being there. It was just incredibly special. Um, you know, it kind of felt like it was meant to be in in a sense. Um, like it, you just couldn't ask for a, a more perfect uh, setting, I guess. Um and as far as like my dad being on my bag, he, uh, you know, he took off work and came down and volunteered on Thursday. Um, and then after he was done volunteering from seven thirty to my tea time, he came back and caddied for me, um, uh, which was pretty awesome. And then I had one of my brothers on my bag for the second round. And then my dad finished out the next two days. Um, and it was just such a special moment to be able to, uh, you know, on that 18th hole, of the last round when I, I just kind of pitched that putt up. It was just, it was so comforting to be able to look back at him um, and share that moment with him on the green um, before I went and tapped it in. Um, so yeah, it was just, couldn't be more perfect. Um, in my opinion. The, speaking of the last putt, you walked up to that putt. Well, we'll say the second to last putt and you were about to putt and you stopped and you turned around and looked at somebody. It, it did. Did you want to go for that putt or or did you not care? Because you laid it, you laid it up. I mean, you weren't going to lose no matter what happened. It wasn't like you were risking of hitting and rolling OB. Uh, would you, have, I mean, first of all, who did you ask? And second of all, what was the, why did you, we all know why you laid it up, but go ahead and put it in your own words. Yeah. So I, I looked over at, um, at Mason Ford because I was just so caught up. I wasn't paying attention to who was out. Um, so I just, I was just making sure I was out. Um, and it was my turn to go. <laughs> um, cause I was just, I wasn't paying attention at that point in time. So yeah, that's, that's on me. But, uh, yeah, no, there was no way I was running that putt. I don't think I would have made it if I tried. I was too nervous. Um, and you know, I just, just light it up, take the second bogey of the tournament and, you know, take those rating points, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, it was worth it. <laughs> if that, if that would have been your only bogey, would you still laid it up? One thousand percent. Okay. Um, so I you think, didn't care about the I bogey free round, or <laughs> no? I think I think in front of all of those people, um, knowing you know, if I ran that putt, it would just look so stupid if I missed it. Um, so it's better to not even try. <laughs> make it look make it look professional. Like no, I'm meaning to lay this up, guys. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. You know, having your dad on the bag and how special it is. Talk, just for a moment, talk about the relationship you do have with your dad and disc golf and, and, you know, for, I think obviously every dad in the world would be proud of that moment, but with you specifically and your brother and your dad and disc golf, how, how do those all tie together for you guys? Yeah. You know, my dad was the, the person who got us started into disc golf. So he's been playing as for as long as I can remember. Um, he's the one that pushed us. Uh, to succeed. And, and it wasn't even like pushing us in a bad way. He just always took us out to the park um, and we were always playing together. It was something we've built our relationship around. 
Um, so even, you know, I get done with the tournament, I go back home for a day or two and we're, we're always playing disc golf. It's just something we do. We talk about it all the time. Um, it's just something that he's passionate about. I'm passionate about it. Um, so being able to share it, that moment on the biggest stage in disc golf in our home state, um, it was just a super special moment for him. I know he was probably freaked out. Um, but you know, he kind of talked to, you know, he, he essentially coached me through, through the win. Um, and through the whole week was just giving me advice and telling me what to do. Um, and yeah, so, you know, like I, I said, I couldn't do it without him. And I, I hundred percent believe that, um, he really kept me going out there. Have, have things like big victories, majors, a world championship. Do you, have you guys discussed those specifically? I mean, have you as a family or you and your dad, have you guys said, Oh, you know, I, I would really like to win this or, or what do you think, you know, has your dad ever said, Hey, I think you got a really good chance at this event or, you know, I mean, do you guys like get down to the nitty gritty of like specific events or is he just kind of a, uh, just has this overall blanketing, you know, support uh, that he gives you, you know, and it, it, it just doesn't matter. Or, or do you guys ever like get really analytical? Maybe that's the better question. Yeah, you know, we do to some extent. We'll look at the courses and um, and kind of be like, oh, well, you play really good out here and kind of come up with a game plan um, for the courses. You know, we kind of grew up watching coverage of all these courses. And so being able to play them in person um, and for him to be at some of them, he's, you know, telling me a smart play to do and, you know, which courses I would play well at. Um, so, yeah, we, we don't go too too in depth, but... You know, there's a, we generally know which courses to, you know, how to play them. And USDGC is an example of one where we've been playing that since 2014. Um, so we would know that course inside and out. Um, and so we talk about it a lot, um, specific holes, specific landing zones and stuff like that. Uh, okay. So, so uh, oh, real quick, Terry, um, just real touching on your dad here for a second before we move on. Um, one, are you the favorite son right now? I mean, you have to be, right? I mean, that's got it. I mean, I mean, at least at least for a few days. I mean, he's got seven others to choose or six others to choose from, so I don't I don't know. <laughs> and and speaking of favorites, other than the family, does your dad have a favorite player that he likes to watch? Is there is there someone he's like, "Oh man, I really enjoy watching this particular person?" Yeah, he's a huge fan of Nate Sexton. Um, mm. I think I think cuz my dad throws the dart as a putter and Nate Sexton <laughs> okay. also throws the dart. So there's been that, that bond for years. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it's so interesting what bonds us all together. And it, and it's not even so much, you know, the, the firebird craze, you know, the, the glow sex and firebird mm-hmm. craze. It's funny that it's the dart uh, of all this, which is, yep. makes it even a little <laughs> bit more funny. And, and, and I guess my, yep. my question is not too far from where Johnny's was about being a favorite. Let, let's just say that your brother Ezra opens up the tournament with a 12 under and, and you, you have a, a six under round two. Is he on your bag or is he on Ezra's bag? I think he'd be on my bag only because Ezra is, is married now. And so his wife would be walking with okay. him as a caddy. Um, okay. I think if Ezra wasn't married, I think it would be, you know, up to up to Ezra and see if he wanted him there. Um, but I think he would probably be on Ezra's bag. 
So this all kind of ties in having so many siblings and going out disc golfing all the time. Is that kind of what ties into your putt? You putt really fast. Like you walk up and just throw it. And I can imagine we, we kind of jokingly call it mob golf when you get like a more than a five sum that you get up to there and everyone's got to be the first to putt or someone's getting in your way because I love you right now. You are my favorite person to cover. You're my favorite person to watch play because I love your putt. It's so casual and fast. Does that tie into it or is this just something that kind of came out a different way? Yeah, it definitely does. It's um, we've been playing at a fast pace my whole life. Uh, so it feels natural. Um, we would go out and we would run the course, um, just take like four discs and we would run between each hole and up the fairways and everything. So yeah, speed has just kind of always been uh, a part of disc golf in my family. Um, and so, yeah, it, that's where my fast style of play comes from. That's where my putt comes from. Um, so yeah, it, it has, it has to do with how, how we play the sport and how we um, approach the course. So then maybe the less um, appealing opposite side of that is how do you deal with slow players and, and whether they're the 29.99 second players or they're the 46 second players, how, what, what's going on in your head when you're, when you're playing on a card with one or more people that are, I mean, let's face it, very few are going to be as fast. That's expected. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But how about the, you know, the truly slower paced players? How do you deal with that mentally? Yeah, that was the biggest thing for me uh, when I started playing disc golf uh, tournaments when I was about 15 or 16 playing on the pro side. And it was just the slow players. And it took me a couple years to get used to, like, the pace of play and the the waiting, you know, Northwoods Black, you're waiting 30 minutes on 30 to 45 minutes on hole 12 to be able to throw. Um, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, I could have played a round and a half back home. <laughs> so it's just like, how do you pace yourself? How do you get used to that wait time? Um, and it wasn't easy. It took me a good probably three or four years of playing professional tournaments uh, to finally be comfortable with that. And and now I feel like I have a pretty good, um, you know rhythm and a pace on the tournament and I'm, you know, I'm not going as fast as I could be, but I'm not, you know, super slow. And I, I have gotten used to waiting on, on people to, to play their, you know, play the tournament. So do you ever feel like yeah. for longer holes, you should take more time? Cause even, or not longer holes, longer putts, like 40 footers, 50 footers, because you, you're still really quick. We see a lot of players kind of get set and everything like that, but you still just walk up and you know exactly what you do. Uh, do, do you feel like that? hinders your your putting game at all because it doesn't appear to it from my side no i don't think so i think um usually when other people are putting i'm already thinking about my putt so it's something that i've i'm while i'm not at my line i'm assessing everything about my line um while somebody else is going um and so then when i step up the only thing to aim at you know pick an aim aiming point and you know assess the wind one last time and and then let it go um, so I don't, I don't think it hinders me at all. I think it's just part of the, part of the rhythm I found out on the course. You have to be thinking at some point though, like hurry up and throw. Like at some point <laughs> there's a player or a scenario where you're just like, come on, man, just throw. Right. Are you thinking that? Be honest. Oh, oh, yeah. do, I, mean, right? I mean, I'm not dropping, I'm, dro- I'm not dropping names, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, so the I, last time, yeah. I was, so the last Gannon time we Burr. had you on. 
you you suck. <laughs> yeah, Gannon. Okay, okay. I mean, I wasn't going to call any names either, but no one was going to. We can call him Gannon. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, we can call him out. He and yeah, he knows yeah. he's slow, so that <laughs> yeah, there's and, that's that's another thing. And it's, it's perfect because if you guys play a, pl- a practice round, it's like playing with two regular speed speed people. So we're you know everyone behind you is set. <laughs> no, no big no big deal. It all averages out. When, when we had you on last, you had just signed your one year agreement with Prodigy. And I think we had even said, this sounds like a bet that you've, you're betting on yourself. How do you feel that that bet's going to pan out for you now? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, to say that this tournament was a life-changing event, um, I think it's pretty accurate. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, negotiating a new deal, whether that be with, with Prodigy or another company in the future. Um it, you know, it's it's nothing but green lights from here, really. Um, and now that I've got this milestone, there's there's more doors that have been opened. Um, and I look forward to kind of exploring what those opportunities have to offer. Other than disc manufacturers, have other people reached out to you for sponsoring you now? Like bag companies, hat companies, t-shirt companies, whatever they may be. Uh, not currently. Uh, not that I've seen, but... okay. You know, maybe, maybe. Soon. Is there is there anything that? Yeah, and and this is a great opportunity. Is there anything that you're you feel like you're? I don't want to say missing, but what else could aid you out on the road? Is that specifically a bag company or a or a, a dry bag type company or a towel company or shoes, uh, sunglasses, you name it? Is there anything that mm-hmm. you're like? Oh yeah, I would definitely entertain that phone call. Yeah, I mean, a shoe company would be amazing. Um, I love shoes and I love, you know, getting new shoes and, uh, that would be, that'd be awesome. You know, not many people have that. So that'd be really cool. Um, a bag company would be great. Uh, as of my contract right now with Prodigy, I have to carry a Prodigy bag. Um, and which, you know, it's a great bag. Um, but it would be cool to have a sponsor like grip or Squatch or, you know, any other bag company out there. Um, just to have, you know, record company and represent them, but also, so, you know, maybe get that extra bit of money per month would be would be cool. Sure. Yeah, I, I want to talk. I, I, oh, go ahead, Ter. I just real quickly want to follow up on that. You know, right now, two of the major players that we see currently in disc golf when it comes to shoes, of course, we think of Idio. And then I know Nate Heinold is doing a lot of work with Merrill. And Merrill, I think, is sponsoring uh, this weekend or was sponsoring this weekend. I think they're going to be doing a lot of stuff with him at his AM Worlds this year, probably the Ledgestone event. So those are two. Obviously, we've had Keen in years past, and there's other possibilities. Um, but, yeah, I mean, right now, Idio and, and Merrill are two uh, maybe front runners, And I would assume you'd, you'd have a conversation if either of them gave you a call. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Awesome. Definitely. Okay. Go ahead, Johnny. Let's talk real quick about that final round. Um, you started out slow, and one of your good friends, Silas, did not start out so slow. He went, I think, 11 for 12. Were you aware of what was going on? Did Because if your dad's your caddy, some players like to check scores. Others just rely on their caddy to kind of be like, you might want to run this one. Were, were you aware of the situation? I think he got within two strokes at one point. Yes. So, you know, playing on lead card and with a 10-stroke lead, you're not really too worried about chase card. Um, and so I was focused mainly on the players that were I was playing with. Um, and, you know, I was kind of keeping relatively close pace with them. Um, 
And so then I think it was like whole five or six. I checked the scores and I was like, oh my gosh, uh, this is kind of shredding. <laughs> and then it just, it just wouldn't stop. Um, and so, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know he splashed out for ace on 11. Um, that's insane. Mm. Uh, so like at that, if I had checked the scorecard and seen 11 through 11, I, I don't know what I would have done, but I was freaking out. I was like, dad, I'm going to be the one guy to lose not only a seven stroke lead, but a 10 stroke <laughs> lead, uh, to the guy on the chase card. Um, I was fully prepared to have another chase card victory this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, my dad was able to kind of talk me through that and just be like, look, just play your game. Don't get bogeys. You know, the birdies will come eventually. Uh, so that was kind of the game plan. You know, Silas was absolutely shredding it. I, I commented, I told him, you know, I was like, I've never been more scared of somebody, uh, cause I'd played with him, you know, a couple rounds before and he just wouldn't miss a gap. Um, he was shredding. So pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't. I wasn't really worried too much until he splashed out on the on that on that ace. Like I was like, ah, Isaac still has a pretty good lead. I mean, he still has to make up like five strokes or something. And then he splashed out on an ace, and I was like, Silas is feeling it. Like this could literally turn into something. And at that point, from the production side, Mo yells, "Cue up the chase card!" As we as we had a big thing about you know the chase card coming back to win um so the, the whole control room got exciting and you made a really what could have been a walk in the park you made it a little bit more exciting for everybody so we appreciate it from the network side most definitely <laughs> well you're welcome i i tried my best <laughs> uh, yeah the the fact that there was a story that was coming you know and, and with antela and conrad of course being close to you and then not expecting to see what Silas was doing. And, and as you said, nobody's really expecting that. Uh, the, mm-hmm. It was wild that there was any kind of conversation whatsoever. And um, oh, yeah. now, now when it's all said and done, you head over to Jonesboro. Uh, what changes for you this week? I mean, and did I, you didn't play it last year, right? Were you just getting done with school still? Yeah, I wasn't able to make it because I was, uh, I had, you know, uh, finals that week and a bunch of school I had to do okay. before the end of the semester. So this will be my, my first time playing Jonesboro actually. And have you, uh, you haven't been to the course yet or have you? Not yet. I'm going to get there tomorrow and play a play a practice round. Okay. Um, very different from obviously just playing at WR Jackson. You know, people really seem to love this course. They always say it's a thrower's course. Uh, but the, the fairways are, you know, 10 times bigger than what we just saw in Georgia. Um, is, is it hard to kind of gear up for a tournament after you just you just won a major, like, major accomplishment? Is it is it hard to gear up for the next Elite Series event the week after? Yes and no. Um, you know, it's, you know, if you're looking to win the next event, uh, it's going to take a lot of mental uh, stamina and strength. Uh, and I'm not saying that I'm not looking to win this event, but it's, you know, I don't have, uh, let's say, like high expectations. Um, I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to play my game um, and just see where it goes. Um, but yeah, it, but that's part of, the, part of the challenge of being on tour is whether you win or whether you get, you know, top 10 or you don't cash. Like you just have to move on and you have to, forget about the week before and focus on the week ahead. So 
I'm going to try to do that. It's going to be a little bit harder this time. Um, you know, this is a new experience, but uh, looking forward to playing this week. And yeah, it's just part of the part of the tour life that you have to get used to. So I'm going to put you on the spot just for a second. Gannon won the last major. You've got this major. If you had to pick one of your touring buddies, we'll say Ga- Gavin, Alden, Silas. Who would you pick to win the next major? Oh, man. <laughs> that's, that's a tough one. Um, I'd, like to see, I'd like to see Alden win. Uh, I think that would be pretty cool. I think he's he's playing really good this year. Um, just consistent, very very level. Um, and I think I think he has what it takes to take a big one down this year. Is is Alden going over to Europe? Is he? Yes, we'll be traveling okay. together. All right, I see because I I'm looking at the registration list for the European Open and I see your name, but I don't see Alden on here yet. And oh wait, there he is. I'm sorry, my bad. He is on there. All right, perfect. So that's a if. Yeah. if if, if you can't win, I suppose it'd be all right if you did. <laughs> I guess. I guess. What? Um, <laughs> uh, and again, we're going to let you go here soon because we uh, we don't want to keep you too long. And I know you got a lot of stuff going on. But uh, $14,000, no, nothing to put your nose up at. Obviously, a pretty significant paycheck. Tell us something that you're going to do to spoil yourself with that money. Like, a week ago, there wasn't you weren't going to do blank, but you just won fourteen grand, big or small. What what's something you will spoil yourself with, uh, with an extra fourteen k in your pocket? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, your own hotel room. Well, Let the other guy stay. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go out to eat maybe more than I do uh, usually. Um, I want to go to Cracker okay. Barrel. I love Cracker Barrel. That's, okay, uh, it's a great place. Um, so yeah, probably probably that. But honestly, I'm just I'm saving most of it just to. Uh, I want to buy a house at the end of the season. Um, so most of it's going to be. You know, I'm going to postpone spoiling myself for a long term goal. So. <laughs> um, uh, that's that's your mature young man. Okay, <laughs> I, I I that's a glad, very I'm wise responsible so. thing. <laughs> Yeah, I I just didn't know. I mean, and and maybe it's a pair of shoes. Maybe, like you said, it's a couple extra times going out to eat or or something for the van or whatever. But if if you're going to squirrel mm-hmm. the majority of it away for a, a, a long term investment like a house, then my only follow up to that quickly is uh, house. Where 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 are you looking, and what kind of land are you are you going to require that you get? Oh, I definitely need some room to put some baskets up, uh, and pour and probably pour some tea pads. So, um, you know, at least, at least a handful of acres, um, you know, something I can get creative with and maybe carve out a few holes in the woods, uh, have some open ones and, you know, just have a, have a place where family and friends can come and we can toss a disc around and, and hang out. So. Okay. And state of Georgia or not necessarily. I would like to stay local to Georgia. Um, I have a lot, of, you know, a lot of close friends here, uh, as well as most of my family. So, I'd like to keep it close. Awesome, awesome. Uh, well, again, we know you're getting pulled in every direction, and we know you uh, still do have to gear up for your event this weekend. So, we'd love to give you the floor. Where can people follow you? Find you? How can they support you? Uh, if if you've got a disc coming out to commemorate this, when and where can they get it? Give us. 
give give everybody the whole the whole rundown. Yeah, well, I want to thank you know Prodigy Prodigy Disc of course for the sponsorship and Ten Ten Discs as well. Those are my two main sponsors. Um, Prodigy is working on I think three different discs um, that'll be commemorating this win. Um, so you can find those on online at prodigydisc.com. Uh, they should be ready in the next couple days, I hope. Um, and as well as we have some big plans for uh, some team members drop in, I think this weekend. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, it's going to be a lot of a lot of team stuff, which will be really cool. Um, yeah, and you can follow me on, on Facebook, Instagram, um, and yeah, just keep up with with life there. And then, of course, you know Alden's YouTube channel is where we post a lot of our our shenanigans. Uh, so, you know, follow that for, uh, for some fun times, hopefully. <laughs> um, <and> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Isaac, uh, just, uh, we can't say it enough. It's, you know, I, I know I opened the show by talking about some of those other incredible competitors that haven't accomplished what you've already done in this relatively short period of time and your, your entire family, of course, yourself, you should be proud of yourself, but obviously the, the rest of the world, and your family so deservingly proud of what you accomplished. And you did it in such a commanding fashion in just a, a way where, you know, people talked about 30 and 32 under being possibly a hot score. And for you to bogey the last hole and still be pushing 40 under was a, maybe a bar that we're never going to see matched again. Uh, it was just so incredible to watch. So congratulations yet again. And thank you for joining us here tonight. Thank you guys for having me. It's a blast. Thanks, Isaac. All right, man. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care and have a nice good night. luck this weekend. Thank you. You too. Appreciate it. All right. We'll let, yeah, we'll let Isaac go. I know he's, I think he said he was in Memphis on his way to Jonesboro. So he was kind enough to stop for us and give us a nice little interview. So thank you obviously very much, Isaac. Um, it, it was a pleasure to watch him walk through that W.R. Jackson course. Like to the point where I have never seen somebody do that to that course. We've all seen phenomenal play. Some of the top golf, you know, you and I were fortunate enough to be able to watch the, you know, Macbeth in 2015 and 2016, 2014, all those years, this event and course, the way he played it was just unreal. Honestly. Yeah. And at a certain point, you know, Doss and I, one of the nights, one of the later nights, maybe it was uh, Saturday night, we're talking and like, did he, kind of, in a sense, kind of break the course in that, like, how how do you create this? Could it be repeatable? The fact that, you know, people talked about 10s and 12s being like hot rounds, which they, excuse me, which they were. The thing is, he did it multiple days. Three days and, in and a row. Just, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, people, I just can't say it enough. It seemed like a very consistent message of about eight under on average. I think Gannon even said in the press conference, he's like, you know, if I have like a six or a seven, like that's not so bad, like a six or seven under. The fact that we saw, you know, where Isaac was after the three rounds, and then of course his game change could, his game plan could change up just a tiny bit at the, on the final round with different circumstance. But the repeatability, um, you know, whatever that probability was had to be tiny because <laughs> uh, yeah, just time and time and time again. And uh, you and I both know, I, and I think a lot of players would say this, 
and, and Silas talked to me a little bit about it offline as well one of the days. When you throw a good shot, you throw a great hole, and you're like, yeah, I birdied that. The idea that you have to come there the next day and the next day and the next day, and then somehow you have to kind of remember but not too much about throwing the shot well again. You know, to, to everybody can park a hole. Can you do it two times? Can you do it three times? You know, those are, those are the situations that are so tough on a course of that style. And, you know, we, we can say it a million times over. Hole 17, if that doesn't advise his weekend, if that doesn't, isn't a perfect summation of his weekend, I don't know what is. Right? It, was, it was disgusting how well he threw 17 three separate times. I'm, I'm four almost like it just, it, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm literally gobsmacked at this. Just the, he, and the funny thing is he did it without a forehand. Like yeah. we, we saw Kristen Tatar go through that course and she plays both sides of the pad. So backhand forehand, she was lights out as lights out, if not maybe even more almost than Isaac Mm -hmm. relative relative Mm -hmm. to their fields. But Isaac didn't need a forehand for this. Now he has one if he needs it, I'm sure. But you don't see him use it very often. Like not off the tee. We saw him bust it out from time to time, yeah. Mm -hmm. It just, uh, an amazing round with what, I don't want to say with what he did, but just how he did it to me is, is, uh, it, it it's something I don't know if we'll see on WR Jackson again. I don't know if, if and, yeah, that is exactly what we? I mean is how could it be done? How could somebody, how can somebody come to this course next year on the exact same course and be like, wow, oh, yeah, 40. Uh, yeah. I'm going to see if I can get to 40 <laughs> for the weekend. Like nobody's thinking that like that, that that's practical or that that's anticipated or actually what they expect to do. Of course mm-hmm. it could happen again. It could happen by, by none other than, uh, Isaac himself, but you don't walk onto that property and think, yeah, yeah, if I play well, I should probably leave about 40 under. Just no one's thinking that. And that's, uh, it's incredible what he did. So, yeah, I, right. I wonder um, if, I wonder if these, these young guys with as, gr- as aggressive as they are and as confident as they are and as good as they are, if we're going to see another kind of step in the MPO game over the next three to four years where WR Jackson isn't as quote unquote hard as it has been in the past for our players. I don't know. We won't know until we see if, if we're seeing 35 to forties for the next three years, then maybe that answers our question. But next year, if someone comes out and wins with a 32, we'll know that just we'll know how good Isaac's round really rounds were. We can say how good they are now, but really history will be the one to kind of tell us. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, he set a bar and, and that's kind of what Nate and I were talking about is did he set a bar that is truly not uh, rep- replicatable or mm-hmm. could be duplicated, replicated, duplicated or replicated. I don't know. Anyway, either way, uh, let, let's read through our top 10 finishers on the men's side. Then let's, uh, let's jump over to a conversation on the women's side. All right. Going number two, uh, Eagle McMahon and Nicholas Antela. Remember, it's Nicholas. There's no O. It's not Nicholas. Nicholas. Just Nicholas. Let me say this for the thousandth time. You say Nicholas a hundred times over, and to most people's ears, whether you said the O or not, yep. they're going to put it, it there, and they're going to then like yell it. at you for saying Nicholas. 
I cannot say this enough, and I understand. I it's I I worked very. We worked very hard to say Nicholas, and when you say Nicholas a hundred times, people are still going to think you're saying Nicholas. <laughs> anyway, and go it on. might be it might be some of a little bit of our Midwestern, just yep. popping out with the K and whatnot. But yes, Eagle McMahon and Nicholas Antala tied for second at thirty five, so five behind Isaac. Then we had Silas Schultz. And I'm going to put a side note here, not related to Barry Schultz, please, because okay. I've, I've seen out there around, yes, I bet, hundred yeah. percent. I've seen it was on the chat boards, it was on the web boards. Uh, it is understandable, but Silas is from a different Schultz family where there's a bunch of Schultzes that play. You know, you've got you know Thunder and uh, uh, who else, Terry? There was es- Silas Esther. Thunder, Esther. That was the Simeon. other one I was thinking. Simeon. So. Yeah, so Under, a different Schultz yeah. family, for those of you that are wondering. Uh, fifth place in a tie was Matty O, who we didn't really, I didn't feel like we saw a ton of Matty O on the broadcast. There was a shot or two, but he just wasn't really any. He shot a six down that final round. Tied with Mason Ford, who was on the lead card and shot a five down. In seventh place, there was a four-way tie, and this will round out our top ten, with Aiden Scott, a name that we don't hear as often. So congratulations, Aiden. Chris Clemens. Gannon Burr and Vino Makala all rounded out your top 10. So we have two Europeans in the top 10 with Nicholas and Vino. And we've been saying it for years. Those young guns over from Europe are coming. They're coming. They're showing up for a long time. And even still to this day, we kind of... Over here in America, we think, yeah, that's great. We've got the best in the world. But they're showing up, you know, and not far behind them was Yuna uh, Hanninen. He was in 13th. So Linus Carlson just announced yesterday or today that he got his sports visa. He'll be coming over soon. I don't know if he's going to make Jonesboro or not. I, I, it's That might be a little tight for him. But he is registered. There's another name that, you know, it could very well be in your top tens this this upcoming week or next. So just uh just be aware. They're they're coming they're coming for America. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> uh yeah, and that's not even a Neil Diamond well, that is a Neil Diamond song. But anyway. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> um yeah, and uh, of course, we've seen that on the FPO side for a couple of years as everybody's known who we have and now we continue to see more uh, not only just the the Hannah uh, and Evelina and Kristen, Katie has now come over. Uh, Anna uh, Sten is now coming over and being more regular here uh, on our card. Uh, Heidi Laine was over here and and may show up uh, for extended periods of time. I think we're going to continue to see more and more. So, yeah, very very cool. Um, yeah, they know this is where the action is at. If you want to be on the map and be revered as you know one of the world's best here's where you're coming and you're getting the best competition for that and putting yourself in front of cameras and, and whatnot so yeah very exciting and obviously you know from way back in the day whether it was a uc or a sepu Paiu or some of the other players obviously at one point simon was a fresher face to us 10 years ago so it's um it's pretty cool to see and i think it's just going to become more and more regular on both mpo and fpo um, mm-hmm. on both sides of it. So uh, congratulations to the all the gentlemen I don't have in front of me, and Johnny can probably click on the button. But to everyone, uh, top five, of course, get, uh, so to speak, punch their ticket to 
be here for next year's Champions Cup. Uh, they're already qualified for the Champions Cup. And then uh, there was five people, four, four people that ultimately also got their USDGC berths. Uh, including Silas Schultz, and it was on the top of that list uh, with his Silas, and such. So Mason, Aiden, Clemens, and I think I think yeah, those are the those are the four that qualified for USDGC here. Yes, so congrats to them. I know obviously that's a big deal uh, as well, and lots of people like getting that out of the way a little bit earlier. And the last quick thing I'll uh, say about Aiden is, uh, you know, it was great because I just met him a couple weeks ago. He's he uh, snappy Cole, James Cole uh, claims him as a, a prodigy of his out of Tennessee. I saw him perform very well in Florida at Tallahassee. The next weekend I saw him perform very well over at Throwdown the mountain. And uh, he's another one of those guys just turned 18 over the weekend. And then we saw what he did. He finishes in the top 10 here at this major, clearly another one of those names that we can take note of uh, that might be on that up and coming list. And if he's out there playing more, um, he, he's shown that proven that he's got a lot of great skills. So, uh, also, uh, to follow it up, I, the, cause I, you know, I live and die for comments, but I saw someone post and say that I mispronounced Aiden a hundred times and called him Hayden, which same thing. I know his name is Aiden. I've, uh, even misspelled it once for an entire broadcast that I put together, <laughs> but I know it's Aiden. And when you hear me say it, I'm not saying Hayden, but you hear what you want to hear sometimes. And I'm not saying I've never not made a mistake. I still call Simon Eagle and Eagle Simon, and that's the stupidest mix-up in the world. But just know, I, I know what his name is, and I'm calling him Aiden. That's his name. But um, it's it's funny when people want to hear what they want to hear, or they want to be nitpicky or and, and uh, whatever. And before we move right, over jump. to, I'll say before we move over to FPL, I, I don't, I don't want to poke the bear at all. But did your heart grow like two sizes when he said, "I'm already assessing my lie before I'm even there, so I can throw, so I can putt faster." I know it's always a a bugaboo with you, um. So I, I don't know. I, I just that's that's a good smart golfer, and he, he, it it's is. not just so much about winning over my heart. And me thinking he's that much smarter. It's just but a is. good, smart <laughs> golf move. Like, there is so much time often when you're not throwing. And I'm not saying you should be stressing out over your lie and, and, and worked up about it and worried about it. And, you know, getting anxious over what you're going to do. But, yeah, you have some time to think about it. And that's often when you see slow play from MPO and FBO fields is when players – like get to their lie and they're like, huh, what do I, you know, like they just started thinking and it's like, seriously, like now <laughs> you, you have 30 seconds to do your thinking, to mark your lie, to get ready for your throw, to take your practice swings, to change up your equipment and then throw your freaking disc. You have 30 seconds for all of that. And if you don't start thinking until you get over there, but <laughs> you see it in You're people's behind. heads too. Like, I just, I don't know what they're doing. So yes, I, I can love and appreciate exactly what he was saying about. He's kind of thought about it. No, clearly there's times you need an extra moment or two and not every lie is the same. I understand that, but yeah, think a little bit. <laughs> All right, let's move over to FPO. Um, winning an event 
here is own Scoggins. Because you know what? Kristen Tatar was in her own field. This is it. She, oh, okay. Kristen Tatar won a different tournament because I look at the scores and there's no way these are the same scores on the same event as all these other women. There's no way that this can happen. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm dubbing Own Scoggins the winner of some event. Kristen Tatar won the PDGA Champions Cup. Own won something else. I I don't know any other way to put it. Kristen Tatar was on another level. This was possibly one of the best single FPO tournaments I maybe have ever seen played by a player. The, the, the pure for this type of course where there's a ton of trouble to get into. She rarely did one bogey. She took on the round hole four round four and yeah, Amazing. Honestly, just watching her, everything from her touch forehands to her backhands to her forehands to her putting, it didn't matter. Every time I thought she was maybe going to get into a little trouble, she threw a forehand and ended up inside inside the bullseye. And then I'm like, all right, she's not going to miss that. Just the, the, the level of play that she is at right now is a step above the field. And I, it wouldn't shock me if she didn't miss the podium again this year, the way she's playing. I don't, I'm not going to come out and call her winning every single event because I think that's silly. Everybody has off weeks, but even mm-hmm. her off, even her off weeks seem like, you know, is her off week 16 strokes because that's what she took cat merch by in third place. So it's just the way she's playing is at another level right now. So third place uh, was Cat Merch and Cat Allen. So we had a cat tie, um, which is funny because in the MPO, we had a three-way tie for 20th with Pauls, Omen, Kranz, yep. and Macbeth. Omen. So we're, we like to bunch up names here, uh, as well as a third-place tie with Haley King. In sixth place, Holland Hanley, who was doing really, really well up until the final round. She was in second place at one point. It looked like, you know, if anyone was going to make a run or anyone could make a run, even though nobody was going to, um, at Kristen Tatar, it was going to be Holland. But she just started out that fourth round uh, off. She she wasn't hitting her lines and took a couple bogeys and a double and ended up just falling down to sixth place. Seventh place was Jessica Weiss. Not the dog that's in the background for Terry. Um, Eighth place. (laughs) Okay, Terry. You got treats in your pocket? No, I don't think so, but... Okay. Um, I'm in a public park, but I'm just finding my own business, doggy. And that that wasn't any sort of euphemism either. Treats in your pocket. Um, Seventh place was uh, Jessica Weiss. Eighth place tie was Sarah Hokum and uh, Hannah Blumroos. 10th place, Ella Hansen. That's your top 10 for FPO. I don't know what we can say about about Kristen Tatar other than she played very, very, very well. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, yeah. I mean... Clearly, there's a couple other side storylines, and I, I don't even dig too deep into them. Um, you know, one was, first of all, Kristen Tatar smashed it, played damn near flawless golf. Awesome. Uh, no one's surprised by that. I think maybe that's why it's almost easy to gloss over it, because none of us are surprised. We're like, oh, wow. Uh, she played nearly flawless and uh, played consistently throughout, made almost every putt, made very few mistakes. Okay. And averaged over over 1,000 for all four rounds, I think or at least three out of the four. So no surprises there. And, uh, you know, a, another piece of the storylines were, yeah, who is going to come challenger? Uh, look at Owen Scoggins, this woman that's in her 40s that is taking second place in our majors in the FPO division and finishing on the podium there. And and dare I say, I don't think anyone's surprised by that either. If you know Owen or follow any disc golf, you shouldn't be surprised by that at least. Uh, talk talk about what that means for hitting fairways and making putts because she's one of the shorter arms in the division. You go to the, the, the widely revered WR Jackson course, she's hitting fairways and making putts. I'm not going to tell you what the recipe for success is in all of FPO disc golf right now, but I think Owen is like cooking up her own batch and it's just a few feet short of what Kristen Tatar's doing, right? It's it's insane. So well, it's funny because uh, if you look at if you, if you look at own stats, they don't look great. Other than, I mean, no one's getting really OBs out there. Other than practically hole eighteen, there's one or two other spots where you can get you can go into the creek on uh, was yeah. it thirteen or something. But seventh in fairway hits, seventeenth in parked. Twelfth uh, in circle one in regulation, eleventh in circle two in regulation, tenth in birdies, thirteenth in C one X putting at eighty four percent, which is still good. Eighty four percent, we'd all take that. Um, but it's not like what her normal putting is. Normally, I think she's at like eighty seven to ninety two percent or something, or like around there. And then seventeenth in circle two putts, but her scrambles. She but- was second in scrambles. That was key. So yeah, okay. when she was when she was off of the fairway at all, or she was able to get up and down, she was able to get there. So ultimately, her scramble game really saved her because the other things, the her, the rest of her arsenal. I mean, third, I thirteenth and C one X putting is kind of disappointing for her. 
<laughs> no, that is, uh, that a hundred percent is, I mean, if she's not in the top three, you're shocked. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I guess I'll have to scale back a little bit for this event, scale back part of her keys to success being that putting, although it was good, but uh, out of everything you just blurted out at me, I still go back to, she finished second and was 10th in birdies, which tells you obviously, like you just mentioned, how good her scramble game is, how good she is, not only just to save the pars, but her putting and everything else that was doing it for 10th in birdies to finish second. That, 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 that doesn't even almost sound right. You know what I mean? To say I was, I got the 10th most amount of birdies in the field, but I finished second. Uh, that just says everything to me about scrambling and about limiting and mitigating any of the mistakes you do make. Um, whether she was piercing the fairways, maybe she wasn't making every pot, but damn, to finish 10th in, in birdies and finish second, that, that to me is crazy. So, uh, and then another quick, you know, note, of course, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, criticism of Paige Pierce and where she finished and, uh, you know, what people think of where her game is or isn't right now. She wasn't shy in the press conference about being injured. Clearly, it doesn't seem as if the, the sheer numbers and the and the health should have even had her playing. Obviously, she still wanted to forge forward and still put forth an effort. She comes up short of cashing. She comes up, you know, 29 strokes or whatever, whatever it was short of Kristen. I get all of that. Um, I, I, it's a snapshot. She just made an announcement today that she's, she's withdrawing and not going to play in Jonesboro. And so clearly this injury is, is serious in nature because Jonesboro, again, uh, a place where you know you would pick her as one of the more favorite. Gives she, her wider she, fairways to work with and, and big distance. She so, won. She she I think she won Jonesboro like four years in a row from like 2017 to 2021. Yeah. Tatar won exactly. last year. And I think and Kat won the year before. But otherwise it was the Paige Pierce show. Exactly. So. To, to know that she's not going to, you know, she's not going to even bother bringing her injury over to Jonesboro. Uh, she's going to stand down probably what she really should have done last weekend. And it's just, it is interesting in that she, she talks about injuries. She says she's not supposed to play through it. She plays through it. She doesn't finish well, even though she said she learned a lot about herself and her body. And then still critics and everybody else wants to jump on her. And it, you're obviously you're in a, you're in a no win situation. Cause if she says she doesn't play or she doesn't play, you know what everyone else that doesn't maybe love or support her would then also say is, Oh, she's just scared. She can't hit a fairway and she doesn't want to even play against Kristen. Like, I mean, you know, we know this is all of our athletes and they've given this in us in media. Sometimes no matter what you do, you just simply can't win uh favor or, uh, win in the court of public opinion. So I hope she feels better. Uh, I, I can't imagine. I mean, she said in her post today, she said, I played through the pain. And at some points I was playing, anticipating pain, or I was pay, playing, um, you know, working around the pain. And that's just, uh, we hear a lot of players say that, you know, it's just like, it's just like standing there. Like when you think you're going to hit your hand, on a follow through shot. And then all of a sudden you short arm it and the disc doesn't go anywhere near where you want. That's gotta be a similar scenario when you're playing with that pain. And I'm not here to, I'm not making excuses for her or anything like that either. Um, you just have to wonder, would she have saved herself overall if she just simply would have withdrawn and not been part of the event? 
you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. It's her body, her her decisions to make. But it, in the big picture, that might have been the smarter move. <laughs> um, Dogs, so, motorcycles. It's yeah, I know. Tight. That's what happens. I, I, I couldn't get quite to where I wanted to be stationed for the night. So uh, out here in public parks, just like disc golf, anything goes. Anything <laughs> goes. Park. So anyway, those those are some of the things uh, for the I, – I, I don't believe I'm going to say this, but I will. Don't say it. Don't say it. I'm going to. You're an asshole, you're a prick, and you're just an absolute piece of crap. If you see an Ella Hansen post and you feel like you need oh. to make some remark to her um, That's not uh, where I thought you were going. sexual identity, okay. well, probably not. But I'm just going to say it again because it's so old and it's so tiring and it's so disgusting. So I just want to put it out there that you see a post from Ella Hansen or about Ella Hansen, and then your first instinct is to question her sexual identity. I just think you're a, you're a piece of shit. Like that's here's that's what it. I'll say. I'm going to say that bluntly. By now, stop it. Terry. Agreed. But by now, we should know that our viewers are better than that. Of course, ours are. So I'm talking about all the not, other people. It's yeah, I know. But our our viewers would not do something like that. So <laughs> so we don't need. It's just, no, I thought. I, I thought you were going to go off on the Chris Natar goat comments. Um, so I thought that's where you no, were going I, I with won't it. Bo- I, no, I won't bother. She's great. But she she gets a handful more majors. She wins a couple worlds, mm-hmm. and then we can have a goat conversation. But uh, Valerie I do. And, and, and Des and Elaine and Corver and Paige all and Kat all can have conversations before mm-hmm. Kristen gets there. As, as dominant as she currently is. And let me just say this then. All of those women I just mentioned destroyed the field for years. The fields were a little smaller. The tournaments weren't broadcast. All of those women I just mentioned have won by double digits multiple times in their career. They've all put together three or four world championships or five. If Kristen may get there, but she's not there yet, folks. Like, simmer. simmer. I have a hard time believing at i'm gonna get yelled at for this oh at by Tatar's, the way gannon burr's not the goat either gannon's great but i'll put at gannon Tatar's right next age, to Kristen. at tatar's age i have a hard time believing she's going to get to the same number of majors that Paige pierce is no she could she could go on a run we've seen in the past with fpo and i think if you've listened to this podcast long enough you've probably heard this 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 screed i've gone on it feels like every few years, there's, I don't want to say a handing off of the baton, because nobody hands off the baton. It's taken from them. Elaine mm-hmm. King was overtaken by JK. Des came out and started beating JK for numerous reasons. She threw further than her, primarily. Des was a far thrower. Val came out and started demolishing the field, because Val had a pretty good throw, and a really good putt to go with it. Then Paige Pierce shows up and starts beating Val regularly. And pa- it was Paige and Cat kind of, but it, this is the Paige era, whether you like it or not. Paige Pierce outdrove the field. And then some, and many men that were playing at the time when in 2010, because Paige has been a far thrower for a long time. So the Paige era, we, we might be handing off the baton, so to speak, to the Kristen Tatar era. We might see the next four to five years of a lot of Tatar majors. It truly feels like 
Kristen's game right now is at a level that is just better than every other FPO FPO player. She doesn't throw the furthest. She doesn't. She's not the best putter on tour. She doesn't necessarily have the best forehand. But you know what? She's got 90% of those. And it's at 90% every time. So it feels like she's the most consistent with her game. And that's, I feel, what the FPO field is really looking at right now. The consistency. So I think Kristen Tatar, and again, we're very early in this. She's only been in, in the sport for a few years. And she's only been really dominant for the last year or so. We ha- we'll wait. But it would not shock me if in 10 years from now, we looked back right now and said, yeah, that was the start of the Kristen's Tatar run, whether it's four or five or six years of Tatar. Because right now, that's the way it looks to me is that the rest of the field has to catch up to her. And the good thing is our sport is growing fast enough where I think it's going to take less time for other women to catch Tatar than it was in the past. Because the fields were so much smaller. You had a smaller pool of women so when one came out and was so much more dominant, it maybe lasted a little longer. Well, now you've got your Ella Hansons, you've got your Holland Hanleys, you've got, you know, all these new women that are showing up that have this power and this accuracy and this drive. And the best part about it all, they can afford to be out. It's not like the old days where it's you had Angela Chigfry, who was a great player, but she went to seven events a year because she couldn't stay on tour because they couldn't afford it. They couldn't, you know, people didn't quit their jobs. We have the level of support now for the FPO field where I think we're going to see women catch up to Tatar faster than we have in the past. And I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's just, yeah clearly it's a numbers game. Um, and uh, uh, there's, there's, never, <laughs> there's never been a question about how good Kristen is. Uh, oh, no, clearly my, my conversations always revolve around just a longevity. And once that longevity is there, then you can start having more of those types of accounts. That's all. I've never one second guessed how good she is uh, in any capacity or downplayed uh, how good she is. Uh, But one or two seasons, like you said, like we've said, doesn't make you yet the goat. Um, The last point I'll make uh, on Kristen specifically is I felt like obviously there's again us in the media, uh, or well, just pretty much us in the media, largely want, wanted to continually rehash the the story with Kristen and and Paige and with Elaine last year, and it was it felt like every time because this is the way she's built, she is. This is how how focused she is. Every single time anyone even sniffed at the conversation. I felt like she very quickly shut it down and or blatantly ignored it. And I don't think that was, I don't think that's media training. I think that it's just how she truly feels. And it was funny that even the fans and all, and not all of the media, a lot of the media wanted to continue to drive it home. And it's so funny because it feels like there are thousands of other people far more hung up on it a year later than Kristen herself is. And uh, to me, that puts a little bit of more closure. Not that I needed it, because that doesn't matter, but it just feels like a little bit more closure than, and she, uh, you know, she said so much in, in a post today as well. And I was thinking this days ago, like she just doesn't even, that conversation is so past her. So I'm, I'm glad and I'm happy to see that as well. 
Um, and maybe that's another step in her, in her greatness is her ability to focus, her ability to be just there in the moment and forget about what happened in the past. That could be another step that she, you know, is is ahead of the field with. It's it's hard to say because it's hard to judge anyone's mental game short of watching someone really like you can look at Paul McBeth's history and say that guy's got the, a, a hell of a strong mental game. He is one of the most clutch players in history. You can look at um, Kristen Tatar right now and say nothing seems to phase her. So, yeah. but you, and short of watching someone melt down, it's really hard to judge someone's mental game. Like, how do you judge Silas's Schultz mental game? How do you judge, you know, Gannon Burr's mental game? Probably pretty good. He won a major, but we've also mm-hmm. seen him have, you know, not necessarily step up to the plate at certain times. Overall, you know, but you can, when you see it, you know it. Everyone else is kind of in the gray area, to my, in my opinion. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, this has been said about Paige. This has been said about other FBO players. Spock just said it on the board. We don't we don't need to have the conversation either of Kristen then going to play with the men because it's somehow no. not fair or not. Like that's also and I know that I was... gets regurgitated. And some people are serious and some people aren't. I understand that, but no, our our top player shouldn't just go compete with the men because they whoop them. And then no, all no. of a sudden should be in the MPO division. I'm sorry. That's just a, a bad take uh, all around. Um, yeah, I don't believe and, that and she it, should. And it happened. People have said that about Paige. When Paige mm-hmm. played the, to the level that she has in the past, people said that about her. Somebody probably said that about Val Jenkins at one point. Pro, you know, no, that, that's, that's the, not a thing. It's, just, it's really it's funny. Just not- I was thinking in the past when people, I, I see people, you know, <laughs> crowning tatar whatnot and i and i was thinking it would be really fun to watch her play usdgc Kristen tatar because throw pink isn't a major it's too bad that there's and too bad i'm gonna put that in quotes that there's so much money at throw pink that it, it doesn't advantage Kristen at all i would rather win eighty five hundred dollars or whatever the winner is going to get eight thousand five thousand whatever that number is than try to play in the mpo field but looking back at people who are who who are some of the greatest in our sport, Juliana Corver cashed at the USCGC thirty seventh place. She cashed Tying, but Todd in, Branch, something like that in the men's field, the MPO field, which for USCGC was always you know, the men's field, so to speak. The but only field. The only, the only field. field. Yeah. yeah, it was the only. It is the only field. I would love to see Tatar try to cash at USCGC with the way she's playing. The problem is, but why? Even, but why? It just it, just, it would like, be fun to point? watch. Who cares? There is none. There is none because if you again, it's because I've only seen one other woman do it. I want to. I, I would love to see it. But the problem is, right now the men's field. If you want to cash at USDGC, you're talking ten twenty five golf. Yeah, for four rounds. It's just I and, and again, that's not and and Tatar's not great. there. It's just not happening. No, she's, no, she she wouldn't she wouldn't cash, which is why I don't I don't ever foresee it happening. I don't I don't I'm not begging for it. I'm not wanting it. But I just want to remind people that J.K. cashed at USDGC in a field. So take that for what yeah, it's worth. I, all of that exercise means nothing to me uh, at no. all. I I see what you're saying, but at the same time, it means absolutely nothing to me. Um, Agreed. So, all right. Uh, 
What else? Uh, obviously, you're talking about Jonesboro this weekend. It, you know, you've said it. I, I would, I would not call you an idiot for saying it again. You know, having a weekend off maybe after a major like this wouldn't be the craziest thing. Or maybe having a silver uh, event after it. It, it just, it feels like a four round major. Uh, and again, I'm not even physically out there clearly, but it just feels like. Man, it's it's some. It might be a little bit hard to keep like those comp. And I guess maybe maybe not. Maybe some of the competitors are like, you know what? I I hit my rhythm in the middle of WR Jackson during round two, and I'm excited to ride my momentum through three rounds of Jonesboro. It just feels to me like, from a sport perspective, it wouldn't be crazy if we had a weekend off from another high level event, a silver event, maybe a, a fun A tier. Uh, that's that's widely you know, loved or respected. Sure. But you got to feel like a Jonesboro, do they, will they feel any kind of minor hangover effect of like, just the, it's just not, you know, I don't know. And and maybe I'm just crazy in saying that, but. No, you're not crazy in saying that because I've said it before that I would like to see it. I just don't think you're going to see a hangover at Jonesboro. All the pros are signed up. I, other than page, I haven't seen or heard of anyone deciding they're going to drop out. We're still two days away, so it could happen. Well, technically, we're almost one day away because it's Tuesday night. I don't think they're going to see a hangover, so to speak, but it's, uh, yeah. I, I, anyway. Yeah, and maybe, I, and again, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a widely re, uh, or massively revered course. People mm-hmm. love it. It looks beautiful. We've got, we've got great signal. Uh, you know, it's a straightforward <laughs> course. It's not hokey or gimmicky in any way everything like it, it, it is it has so many great things going for it so there's certainly that's just it there's nothing to take away from it in any sense it's just from an overall uh consumption standpoint player standpoint um th- those are some of the angles in which i come at it with and then let's just really quickly touch on another hot topic that is not from the mall is um there was no secret that the the signals were challenged this weekend. <laughs> I, you and I have said it a million other places and times in the past. In 2017, when the World Championships was held in Appling, we, Smashbox, which was the only real live disc golf entity at the time, with lesser equipment, couldn't pull off enough of a signal to make the event live coverage happen. You fast forward six years later, and technology is still challenging our overall broadcast that's that's all there is to it i'll just tell anyone if you think the dgn doesn't care or isn't trying or hasn't thought of things or hasn't tried other things that's all inaccurate signal and i'm not here to apologize i can't i'm not even apologizing for signal we're just putting the facts on the table that signal is challenged there's very little of it there and it is what makes for the broadcast in which we got. And of course, no one loves it. I don't love it. No one loves it. Um, but just know it doesn't, if you're posting and saying, they just don't care. <laughs> They're not even trying. They should be doing this, this, and this. You're probably inaccurate. That, I, that's what I'll say to that. You're probably not correct uh, with I've, with those, um, yes, assessments. I made, I, made a, I made a Twitter post that just basically said, it really felt good on I don't know, Saturday or Sunday. I think it was Sunday night that I didn't even feel like I needed to respond to people on Reddit 
regarding the cell signal. I've yeah, I mean, some, somebody somebody had gone out and there are and even said when somebody asked like, hey, why is they were even cool about it? Like, why is there an issue here like this? And somebody was like, hey, FYI. And they tagged me. They said, go look at his previous posts. You'll understand all of it. And I looked at that and I thought, yeah, I don't I don't I don't need to post because we are at and I'll say this. I, I don't say we because I'm not a DGPT employee. The DGPT is at a level right now where it's honestly as good as you can get for this amount of money because the next step is such a big investment. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, possibly a weekend, depending on what you want to do in labor and time that it would make, it would bankrupt the DGPT if they tried to pull that off every week. Now, there are obviously ideas out there. Everyone has them. But unfortunately, right now, just it's just not realistic. So the options are, and, you, and people can decide for themselves, you get the quality at WR Jackson that you got. At times, it was me- bad. At times, it was decent. A lot of mediocre in the middle. Or you don't get live coverage at all. Those are your options. That's it. There's no other options. <laughs> like there's there's no Starlink. There's no magic satellite. There's no wiring the course. There's there's a reasons why none of that stuff is done. So the the, the your options are mediocre cell signal live coverage or none. And, and maybe you th- and maybe some people out there think none is better than what they put out, and th- that's fine. You can have that opinion. I don't agree with that opinion personally. I, I would rather see them try and and bring us the excitement that we saw, which some people can get over. I understand some people can't. And this is exactly why we still have post-production. Because because the the DGBT understands the the limits right now and putting out post-production is a good alternative. So, I that's kind of the level that I'm I, I'm going to address this in the regular show. If we want to talk about something in the after show, if people want to chat, we can. But yeah, if people in the, want in, to, in reg- I'll let them. Yeah, in the regular show, that's good. That's kind of uh, what we're at right now. Yeah, and, and I I will say I'm not suggesting uh, people should be excited and happy um, that things are blurry. Of course, I'm not suggesting that. And again, we're not here to. Uh, make up excuses or, or, or uh, tow any company line. It's a matter of just explaining what the situation is. And you may dislike that. It may still frustrate you. I understand that. I'm not saying that you can't be frustrated. We're just explaining where we are at. That, that's what I would say to that. Um, yeah. I don't need to really, like you said, I don't, we don't need to talk anymore about it. Um, is, is there anything else that does need to get, talked about uh coming off of a major heading into another elite series event and then we then have a weekend off off i know i'm working post-production uh for an event in south carolina but um that's about it for our schedule right i mean jonesboro and then everybody that's going to be a lot of people head west uh for a very significant exhausting west coast swing yeah, that's honestly what 
is going to happen. There is not a lot of news right now. I think everyone's just enjoying the celebrations of the uh, the victors, whether it's Isaac or Kristen Tatar, and getting ready for Jonesboro. It's honestly the social media has been pretty quiet. I, I I haven't seen a lot of chatter other than people getting excited. Like I said, for Linus Carlson be able finally getting his sports visa, and hopefully we'll be able to make it over. Other than that, there's. It's it's there's a hush, Terry. There's a calm after the storm. Well, you had you know uh, largely you had two, ne- not flawless but nearly flawless players that are very well liked and very deserving of their wins this weekend. Things were I'll say drama free uh, in, in a lot of uh, in a lot of ways. Seems like everything went off really well with the tournament, at least from a distance. You nor I obviously were on site. But things seem to go off pretty well. Uh, you know, 14000 uh, awarded to our MPO winner uh, that we just talked to. 8000 or 8500 maybe awarded to Kristen. Uh, both of them seeing an increase in the purse versus last year. Bushnell, which, you know, there's a lot to be excited about. And the fact that yet another company like Merrill, who we talked about earlier, is a company that's not primarily disc golf, but then has found their way into disc golf and is supporting us at a very significant level. Uh, a course that most of the players and most of the world loved. I mean, there's there's just a lot of positivity, I feel like, to take from this weekend overall. And, uh, I, and I understand that the, the signal was frustrating for, uh, for many, but um, there was overall a lot of positivity from the weekend. And, and the fact that we, as you said, we still have post-production coverage uh, that's also available. And uh, hopefully if that's, if that's the fix that people wanted or needed, uh, they could get that too. So um, real quick, uh, uh, somebody says, any idea why Keen fell off their exposure? Yeah, I know exactly why. Um, unfortunately, one of our major connections, uh, it, it, a gentleman by the name of David, who used to work at Solomon, that, where Solomon jumped on board big time with disc golf for a couple of years, sponsored a few players. Uh, that same gentleman ended up going to work for Keen, and he worked there for a number of years. He pushed, you know, he was our insider. Keen didn't really know about disc golf. He came in, pushed disc golf, Keen into disc golf. And then uh, when he was no longer with the company, then uh, unfortunately they, their concerted effort toward disc golf fell back. And, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be the case of a, of a lot of companies. Like the reason we get in somewhere often is because somebody knew somebody or somebody's kid or cousin or uncle or brother plays that then can make decisions at a large scale company. And then we see us getting that integration at some point. And then it's a matter of does it remain sustained or not? And it I guess it depends on the, you know, we saw the same uh, uh, Adidas and Adidas Outdoors. Um, you know, we've seen the same with some of these other companies and whether or not it's got some, you know, staying power is, is tough to say once our connection is no longer there. So, uh, yeah, Johnny, I, I'm going to tell you, I don't have a lot more for you. Um, I'm obviously on the road and uh, I'm excited to be back in Bend for the weekend to give you guys uh, three more days. Uh, I, the schedule shows, I hope I'm not spoiling anything. I think the schedule shows that Nate Sexton's going to be in the booth this weekend. Uh, it will be back to like, I'll say kind of a more normal routine of myself and Valerie in the mornings and which is early. 
And in the afternoons, I believe it's uh, scheduled for Nate Doss, Nate Sexton, and myself. And so that's what you're going to see. Uh, I think Brian Earhart is, again, scheduled to be on the ground. Uh, so that should be exciting as well out there at the disc side of heaven. So that's uh, that's kind of the, the weekend preview if, if there was one. Got anything uh, else we need to worry about, Johnny, before I, uh, before I let you take over on your own? No. On my own? Gosh. I could do a quick after I show. Mean, you, you, I already did you one. Do you. I, I literally did a podcast earlier tonight for Skip Ace because I didn't get a chance. Normally, oh. I like to put him on a... I normally like to put them on a Mondays, but begging for that attention. I, I really am um, on Mondays, but with the championship happening this weekend, I didn't get a chance to do a lot of prep work and any research, which I actually do a little bit for skip pace. Uh, so I pushed it back one day, but so I already did a podcast earlier today. I'm doing this one. I can stick around for a quick after show. It wouldn't be a big deal. And then we can, uh, we can wrap it up and we can kind of move on to Jonesboro disc side of heaven. Yeah, beautiful place. You know, there's a sign, and I know it gets pictured every year, and it's deservingly so. There's a sign that basically when you step on or near the T of hole one, um, there's a sign that says this is a, you know, a pro-level championship caliber course that's very difficult and demanding. Uh, you know, basically play at your own risk. <laughs> and there's another course there on site that's much easier, uh, much more your speed. And I, I'll say that to everyone probably watching me a little bit, a lot easier. You too, Johnny, especially you. Uh, <laughs> it's easier and plays more your speed. But uh, when, when you step onto the disc side of heaven, uh, the, the gold course or whatever it's called. Um, yeah, that's uh, it, it's no joke. And um, proceed with caution. Um, I'm going to just answer a couple of quick questions before I let you go, Johnny, because uh, I'm seeing them come in. Uh, I don't think there's any confirmation at all of Sexton not being with Jomez. Um, I think it's just a matter of what event he's at and where he's at. He, he wasn't in our booth, but he also wasn't at the event this weekend. And that I, I feel like he told me I, of some conflict he must had that I thought he someone had said that he didn't love the WR Jackson course, but I don't know how true yeah, he's that the is. only one that no, yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't it sound did, right, it, but. It doesn't sound right to me either, yeah, but I had seen that major. posted somewhere. It's still a major. It's possible. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing you're going to see him. I don't know what his schedule looks like. Uh, He's probably he, hanging out with Isaac's I, dad. Well, I'll tell you this. You know, it, it's not maybe a secret that a, a course like Jonesboro, which does rely so heavily on big distance, at this stage in his career, um, he feels, I think, more comfortable being in the booth for the weekend where it's a lot less strain and stress on his family life for him to drive the three hours to join us in the booth, as opposed to go throw uh, 200% power shots on every tee almost out at Jonesboro. I think it's just a matter of hedging his bets for where he's most competitive. And I think that definitely plays into this specific weekend, future weekends. I think you're going to see him at a lot of the events and then probably uh, as part of Joe Mez. So I would assume that, that would all be the case. Um, so yeah, Sexton at Coachella, <laughs> finally something smarter, funny. You said disc down. I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't think that's the case, but I do appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> all right, Johnny, I, I'm, I'm going to pack up here in my, uh, in my public park where things get weird. The sun's gone down on me. Uh, I, I've got some, uh, big landmarks to go find. So 
Yeah, don't I'm be a creeper out. hanging uh, on the park me? after dark. Ah, <laughs> uh, no promises. Uh, uh, do you, are, are we? Am I closing our show for you, and then you do after show, or what are we doing here? You tell me. Say that again. I said, am I closing out the regular show, or am yeah. I just logging off, or what are you doing? All right, go and close well, close out that. the show, Terry. This is the, the yeah. <laughs> See how we do this production right here on site live with you guys all watching. Uh, I do seriously want to thank. Uh, so much to Isaac Robinson. I, I understand how busy he is. We understand how busy he is. So the fact that he could take a little more time to meet with another media outlet, uh, we we very much appreciate and congratulate him and all of the incredible play by so many competitors this weekend. Of course, congratulations to Kristen Tatar, who graciously said she's going to just soak it in uh, throughout this week as well. So congrats to her and all the other top finishing uh, competitors over there. Congrats. To the entire PDGA staff and crew, uh, you know, we gave the spirit away, the spirit award away earlier uh, on Sunday, but the fact that they're able to pull off this PDGA major at the WR Jackson course, Bushnell being the primary sponsor, just uh, awesome to see, and, and um, all the people running around trying to give you as much coverage as we could during those long days, over four days of a major, hats off uh, to all of the crew on the network. Even if it was blurry, um, some things are beyond our control in that sense. So for Johnny V, for Isaac, our champion, I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. This has been Smashbox Podcast number 352 or 452, one of those. I don't know. Johnny V will take things away in the after show. We'll see you then when you step inside the Smashbox. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 